Welcome to the Movie Overload podcast, a movie podcast that <laughs> features approximately three tired people and one person who's kind of awake and had coffee and likes this movie. Uh, Sips coffee. <laughs> my name is Weave. Oh, are you um, not forcibly introducing us this time? Hi, I'm Aiden. Whoa. Uh, you gotta drink that good coffee. Oh, yeah. I'm Anna, and for the record, I'm also awake, and I'm drinking water, and I don't like this I movie. think you're less awake, <laughs> if I were to rank us by awakeness. You can prove me wrong as the okay, episode goes well, on, but in you know, my opinion, you're, wrong, you're less awake than Aiden is. Oh, there's I, also someone else. I'm Hunter. I was asleep for one and a half hours before <laughs> recording this, and immediately after watching... The movie we are discussing, which is Eraserhead, David Lynch's self-proclaimed most spiritual film. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, so true. Uh, That's where the joke comes from. He will not elaborate on it. Well, because there's heaven and everything is fine. Okay, so that's the bit with David Lynch, though. He is famous (laughs) as an art house director because he refuses to explain anything, and that like. You know, is a fun thing. People are like, ooh, what, but what do his movies mean? Ooh, but what does all of it mean? And you're like, well, it doesn't... Whatever it means to him doesn't really matter. I, his point in not telling anyone is he that he wants everyone to, you know, uh, l- come to their own conclusions about his movies and find their own meanings. Does he have a meaning? though in his head or is he just well, like so, does he wake up and he's like i should smear jam on somebody's toe and uh, and film it stop taking jabs at me okay uh oh no the big thing sorry wait did you do did you have a t- toe jam you did have a toe, toe jam, jam thing i'm yeah, so sorry i was making it i was pulling memories. it out of my ass but I, apparently i was pulling it from yeah. your ass out of uh, aiden's ass yeah Ooh. Spicy. Inspiration um, disguised as... But genius. I did watch this movie and I was like, oh, okay, no, I, I've i heard Aiden's pitches, so I have seen this movie before. Yeah, I was... Uh, I have not been un... you know, inspired by David Lynch. I, I do kind of resent him for being the only, like, surrealist art house director that most Americans know. Uh, yeah. And I... Not all of his movies really work for me that well. Um, this works for me. Uh, Twin Peaks is like my favorite TV show. Um, but like, I tried watching Lost Highway because I hadn't seen a cup like that one of his films, and that movie just was kind of uh for me. And Mulholland Drive is kind of uh for me, even though that's one everyone loves. Hmm. Um, what about Wild at Heart? That one is oh, yeah. is uh, alternates between being incredibly wild and being so boring that I have to oh, keep myself from falling asleep. Sad. It is. What about the straight story? I haven't seen that. So there are two David Lynch films I haven't seen. His not as out there movies. Um, I haven't seen the Straight Story or the Elephant Man. And that's the one that I have seen. That's ah. the only one that I've seen. What do you think of that one? It is kind of straightforward like it's yeah. just a what? pretty like regular feeling mm-hmm. narrative i guess you could almost call it a biopic yeah so that was his like, uh oh. follow-up to uh eraser head hmm. 
And he then just swung in the opposite direction. Off of that, <laughs> he got the job doing the first adaptation of Dune, which is... Oh. Uh, was it the first or was it the second? Technique? I believe that was the first. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And the, uh, I'd seen Herbert, that one. Uh, did you, know, West. Did you <laughs> know there were some video games about Dune around that time? That on makes on sense. like the, the Genesis? They're oh. like real-time strategy games. It's weird. Wow. Weird. That's, That's cool. cool. Carry on. I just but, started reading Dune because I'm... Uh, like oh, nice. what was I gonna say? I don't even know what Hype I was gonna mode? say. Like a You're a Timothy Shill LeMay. <laughs> what? Shush. Timothy Chalamet is in the Denise Villeneuve Dune that's coming out yeah. in October. Oh gotcha. at this point when we're recording, it'll probably come out in like December or something because they keep yeah. pushing it, but Or it could never come out. That would be cool too. Oh. That'd, that'd be fine. That'd be sad. But also the book is alright. It's fine. Yeah. I was told that it was like Oh, this is the best sci-fi book ever. And it's like, okay, yeah, I read it. And it is kind of like mm. other things that I've read and maybe a little yeah. bit more boring than those things. Yeah, I finished but the it. Movie it reminds is me like very much of Asimov worse. so far. Yeah. yeah. Well, the movie, the is, movie is not that great. Weird. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have seen it. It's, I've only seen a little it's bit. It's kind of wild it, it's, and yeah, nonsense. It's very it is, interesting. It is kind of <laughs> straight nonsense. It's interesting because um, my father hates david lynch with everything in his being hmm. and he's he ranted about him every once in a while during my childhood and so i was like Weird. okay so david lynch is like a bad person or something okay so i know that and i don't know anything else about david lynch except for that my dad likes the dune adaptation <laughs> and i've seen that he made me watch nice. that and, would um, a bad person make daily weather report youtube oh my videos goodness. Yeah. I so, tried to I show him so. that monkey thing on oh, YouTube. That one rule. What did Netflix. Jack do? I forgot yeah. I've seen that also. And my dad was like, this is stupid. And I'm like, why? Stupid. It's just a monkey talking. Yeah. Uh, I I have been... I, I, I re- David Lynch, as a person, is I, I very much enjoy him and him existing. He, he seems chill. Because I have not got a clue. In like late middle school, <laughs> early high school, I got really into Twin Peaks. It's the whole reason why I drink coffee. I never drank coffee before then. I made <laughs> nice. myself drink Wow, your coffee. entire personality is based off a show. Yikes. It's based off of I, David Lynch in general. Well, okay. So, the so rest of well, Aiden. okay. The, the things that David Lynch is so interesting as a person because he, I, he's just, he's a real character. The, when I first got into him, I was watching interviews from around that time. And around the time I got into him, uh, he would conduct hour long interviews with a bunch of people who'd like invite him over to talk about stuff at like film schools and stuff. And he'd spend all the time talking about, um, meditation a specific oh, yeah. type of meditation. I forgot about that. Uh, and he has a charity that teaches children how to meditate. And that's... It's actually really rad. I I know. It's... it's it, it is bizarre. And so the the arc of David Lynch is he started as a painter. He was a painter at a painting college and started making kind of experimental films with painting as part of projects. Uh, then he's like, I actually want to do more of this filmmaking thing. So he shopped around some of his stuff and he got was able to get a grant, an independent filmmaker's grant from the like American Center for Film Arts or something. Uh, and he made his movie The Grandmother, which is like it, it's like 30 minutes ish. Uh, and then he got it 
finished, and then the guy who's running the program's like, hey, uh, if you wanted to, you can head over to uh, what will soon become the one of the major film schools in America, AFI. Mm. Um, at that point, I don't think it was it was called AFI. It, he joined in like the first couple years after it was founded, and uh, Eraserhead happened as it was his student film project, sort of for Ooh. AFI. Jeez. And appa- according to David Lynch, at least AFI was a complete mess when he got there, and it worked for him because he's like, oh, so you just kind of do whatever, and it happens, and so he pitched the script called garden back and a bunch of people were getting on and they're like but it's too short you need to like expand out and they like forced him to write it as a real movie and he's like screw this i hate this i quit and then they're like okay no 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 come back come back we like you you're fun <laughs> please we uh, love you just do whatever you want uh and he's like i want to make this this script called eraser head that i have and they're like cool it's like 20 pages so it'll be like 20 minutes long he's like eh, it's, it'll probably be a bit longer than that five years later the film is released wow uh, actually, I think it was like six years from that point. But essentially, uh, there was a stable on the AFI film ranch. Uh, and he was friends with the head of the sound department. So the head of the sound department, him, uh, and uh, cinematographer, shoot, I'm forgetting his name, uh, cinematographer, famous later on for doing a lot of work with uh, Charlie Kaufman. He did Synecdoche, New York. Hmm. And Jim Jarmusch, he did Patterson. He was the cinematographer on Patterson. Oh. Oh, yeah, playing to the right crowd here. What a career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they're like, okay, so let's bring this on. They had like half a dozen actors, half a dozen crew people, and they shot, they just kind of built this studio. It took them like two years to build all of the sets and get everything ready there. Jeez. David I mean, Lynch got... to put all that hair on the floor. Is that what that was? I, I, I thought those I were like pine cones or something hair. under the radiator. I thought it was hair. I thought it was hair, because at one point his wife is in the bed and her hair kind of looks like it. Oh, interesting. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I derailed you. No, actually, so that's kind of what David Lynch kind of describes discovering in this is his process, which is he kind of feels his way through movies on vibes. So when people ask, so does he have a specific meaning? Probably has some sense of it, but he really go makes films more based off of the like what feels right to him. As so my hypothesis about the the jam toes is a, is actually a hundred percent accurate. Well, so he might do that, and then he rehearses constantly, and he works with actors. Uh, reportedly, he works like really well with actors. Like actors really <laughs> like uh, working with him, um, but. The thing that, you know, this this movie he was making for a long time, they didn't think it was ever going to actually come out or do anything. Then they got uh, some, they were just talking to someone and they got a distributor interested and it wound up uh, going to one theater and like, cool, it'll be fine. Uh, and then it got really popular <laughs> and a bunch of people started watching it because it was weird and it was very unlike everything else that was sort of coming out at the time and it wound up getting sent over to the Cannes Film Festival <laughs> um, famous film festival thing and suddenly like Dave Lynch and all the people involved kind of blew up like the wow. guy who played Harry Henry, uh, Henry. And, Harry and like um, Henry Henry yes uh, 
the main dude here would work with and David Jack Lynch Nance. on projects until he wound up uh, until he wound up uh, sadly passing. But both <laughs> him and his wife, who uh, was a major part of making this film, uh, would go on to like be characters in Twin Peaks. Um, nice. His wife played the log lady famously. She shows this woman that just holds a log and like talks to it like it's a child. <laughs> Nice. It's really sweet. Yeah. That's the thing I I like about, especially s- some of the things of, that David Lynch does because he has very uh, intense movies like this. But he also has, I think, stuff like you know the, f- the first season of Twin Peaks, which has a lot of lot more sweeter moments and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Other thing uh, that I wanted to bring up. I think that there is a very fun reading of Eraserhead mm-hmm. as uh, reading it directly from the author's life hmm. because um, David Lynch got married his first time in um, school when he was a painter mm-hmm. uh, to Peggy, uh, his first wife. Uh, they had a they had a child, and he was like a young father at the time he was making this, and he got divorced while he was making Eraserhead. Well, and the other thing, too, that I got from the Wikipedia page, and that mm-hmm. I also know because Tim told me about it, was that his daughter was born with club feet, and that was really traumatic. Mm. And they had to, like, her early years was a lot of mm. surgery, like, reconstruct, like, over and over and over and over again. So yeah. that's also, like, young yeah. father, but also with a child that is in a lot of pain and needing to get surgeries all the time. Yeah, and when you hear, I, I look, read, saw uh, there are a bunch of interviews and stuff on the Criterion DVD that I have of Eraserhead, and I watched through them. And the thing he keeps bringing up over and over again is that he really liked just living in the world of Eraserhead. Is like, why would you like that? Because it's it's, it's a nightmare. Well, it's sort of an escape, and so there is a sense where the reason why I and a lot of other people like movies that do like kind of attack you like get at you in that very aggressive way is that it it, it's there is a bit of catharsis in like just confronting the the cruelty of the world and like Mm. just living through this this sort of suffering and actually like surviving and like the overall arc of this film is, you know, it's very traumatic as a whole film project, <laughs> which is why I'm like, yeah, so that's why, that's probably why Anna hates it uh, and why actually Weave we'll isn't continue, going to like it very much. Thoughts. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, people have thoughts. Yeah. But it, you know, it has a kind of uplifting kind of, it ends with, enlightenment sort of uh the the plot resolves and does it end with enlightenment in the same way that jean dillemont ends with enlightenment i I mean like it's literally the same way but does it feel the same to you well it it, it's uh in in eraserhead it's a spiritual release like he goes out into space sees the woman in the radiator and uh, they are absorbed by an all-consuming light. And that's sort of how the movie ends. And it um, seems, yeah, it turns white. Yeah. It's not dark. And she's she seems happy, but she always seems happy. 
So yeah, yeah. she mm-hmm. has um, some kind of pastry taped to her face. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so now that the Princess Leia buns, but on her cheeks. I have done my whole spiel about everything uh, in the background of this movie. I think it's time to hear some thoughts. On the foreground of this movie. Foreground of this movie. Uh, Just to say the movie itself, I suppose. So Uh it's like, it's kind of, I don't think it smells, but it like, it, it sounds very aggressive. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if this movie has a smell, but it it hurts my ears. It smells very musty to me. I, it's got those big industrial like weird ambient noises all the time. Yeah. I feel like I it's was... more uncomfortable if it like smells entirely sterile like you can't smell anything but everything's making noises and it's I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, but that's, that's I can smell I the mildew in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and like the okay. weird like wet dog smell of the hair. Okay. Yeah. So uh-huh. I guess we could say this movie stinks. It does stink. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> oh my. That's the pun you're leading up to? Oh uh, my goodness. No, see, I was just feeling it out. I was pulling a lynch. I was just going. Uh, of course. Uh, by my feelings. You're just thinking so, about toes. I mean, sorry, what? Uh, you know, I'm David Lynch. I'm always thinking about toes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you didn't like anyway. the movie. Is there any uh, specific bits that kind of stood out to you as being bad or being. Uh, I don't like when she's dancing around and she steps on things. <gasps> yeah. I feel like those things are definitely like metaphorical sperm. Oh no, yeah, they definitely are. Uh okay, yeah, and she steps on, on the them and they squirt out white liquid. <laughs> yeah, no, they're this uh noted. The one things that I I sort of remember from uh listening through a bunch of uh Karina Longworth's You Must Remember This podcast great podcast uh horny uh david lynch is sort of horny he could he, oh well yeah he's he's a horny is sort of david lynch david lynch that's <laughs> that's kind of where especially where he starts at like at this point he's like this like weird eccentric grandpa who's really sweet and everyone loves but like like he had a major like uh affair with the star of blue velvet um and he's been married several times and definitely his movies have a lot of weird sex energy yeah that was one thing that we talked about like with tim's movie club was to put it in your words the weird sex energy um and then we watched some of his other short films that were just like hella uncomfortable just for all of the subtext that was there Mm. um anyway i was gonna say this movie, we were talking about the sound, and on this watch through, so the first time I watched it, it was extremely traumatic for me. I did not enjoy it. Uh, I was, yeah, it, like, really messed me up. Mm. And I was really nervous about watching it again, and I put it off forever, and I was watching it last night, and to be fair, like, I was sewing so I could look away, like, especially when, like, the baby was sick, and I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't look at it. Um and it, but it wasn't as, like, I was ready for me to have, like, the same emotional, like, visceral response. Mm. And I didn't, which was oh. cool. I appreciated that. But what struck me this time was that it's, I don't know how to say this because we've talked about queer coding and I don't know, like, 
autism coding, like spectrum coding. We were talking mm. about with horror films, like how mm. characters are coded with a mental disorder. And the way that the sounds in this film are done, it makes me feel like this person maybe not is autistic, but it just made me think of sensory overload and different sensory disorders that you can have with autism or other things. And that just struck me because there are times where I even feel like this object is too loud and it's driving me bonkers, like mm. the ability to hear the electricity. And anyway, so that just struck me. Mm. And a lot of the things that he does socially, I just kind of am like, oh, interesting. Like, I wonder if that's also um, commentary. I don't know. Hmm. I think that's maybe a fair reading. Like the one thing that did stand out to me watching this was like... um my brother could never watch this. That was like the only thought going through my head. Um, who Who is autistic. Um, mm. But yeah, it's like the movie as, like aggressively stands out as like, this would be impossible to watch for him. Like no matter the position that he's in, it just would not work. And so I do wonder about it. If that's like as a rating, um, just kind of that idea is sort of interesting of of making a movie about something that the person the kind of person the group of people that it's about cannot experience like um kind in a weird way this is a maybe this seems like a reach but like isle of dogs mm. is about like japan and features a lot of japanese elements but the film reportedly does not work at all in Japanese because so much of the way that movie works is based off of translating things into English and into dog. And mm. it, it relies on you being a non-native Japanese speaker hmm. to be able hmm. to understand hmm. the movie. And I've, I don't know. I've seen articles about people talking about that being kind of problematic, which is interesting. So, hmm. so if it is that, if the, if the reading is, um, yeah, like like trying to kind of simulate or or reference some kind of like uh, spectrum um, stimuli or whatever. It's interesting that it would also be even more traumatic to experience, like if you had that experience. I guess. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> I no, mean, you're sort of tracks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely. I still really hate this movie. Like, mm -hmm. it just, yeah. I'm uncomfortable around it, and it's mm. icky, and I was talking about how it, like, triggers my maternal instinct, and so I'm like, there's a baby, and, like, it's crying, and, like, this poor young mom, like, why is she feeding it solid food when it's just a newborn? Like, it should definitely be nursing a kid, like, literally does not have the digestive abilities for that. So I'm, like, feeling all these maternal, like, feelings, and then mm. it's this, like, really icky creature, which, like, yeah, I don't know. And just the whole aesthetic of the movie, which, good job, David Lynch, for making a continuous aesthetic, but it just, like, I hate it. It's, it's so dark. It reminds me of winter in Seattle where you're just, like, I can't get enough lights on because it's so dark and just mm. uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so I still just am not happy about this movie, and I... In some ways, I'm glad I watched it again just so that I could kind of free myself from the horrible associations I had with it 
formerly, hmm. but I still wouldn't really recommend it to anyone. Well, I don't know. It is... I gave it two stars on Letterboxd because I personally did not enjoy it, which is the only rating that matters. Hmm. But as a film that's put together, it's excellently done. Like, the editing is really good. The sound design is there. It's what it is. And just, like, the lighting is incredible. Mm. It's, it's just not really, fun. It's got some good little creature effects in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that a big part of what I really attach to in a lot of Dave, uh, David Lynch movies is the texture that that mm-hmm. is in everything. Because, like, one thing you hear a lot, like, hearing him talk about his films is that he he finds certain things really beautiful that really are like this sort of abhorrent beauty in like the, these sort of gross uh, aspects of life, the things that people tend to turn away from and try not to like look at at everything. It, it just, it, it, I think it takes a, a certain like type of person to really connect to that. And if you don't, it's it's you're kind of left out in the weeds because, like, for me, I I love this movie a lot, and it's probably my favorite actual film by David Lynch, mostly because uh, it's like kind of a dark comedy through a lot of it. Like, you have that beginning part where, so it starts with this intro that is, I I think, very obviously sex happening oh yeah i yeah. definitely would agree henry is floating hmm. out in space and there's this like this this planet and you see the same hmm. thing happen again when in later in the film he has an affair with uh the yeah. woman across the hallway so you go into this weird space in between spaces within hmm. dreams and during sex and then on the moon, there is a hole, and in that hole is a little man, and uh, he's, all, he's all gross and grody looking, and I think he's like maybe a personification of like oh, lust yeah. or desire or something like that. Uh, and then he That's pulls sweet. a lever and drops a sperm baby into a milky <laughs> pool. <laughs> and then we go through the and then we go through the pool and we see like dust rising. And then we come out and we see Henry just walking home. And it's uh, kind of implied. I think like later, that's mm-hmm. like he has, he hooks up with his girlfriend and then he goes to dinner the next night and learns that they've already had a child from that. That is a <laughs> premature baby of like one day old or something. But, but yeah, so I, think it, I think it's probably a little bit older because he's like, you don't come around anymore. Like, where have you been? So yeah, think- so. Maybe maybe, maybe a, a couple bit. months. Okay, gotta be a time. It's it's a uh, it's a bit wonky, but you know there are some really kind of comedic moments. Like he, he walks into his building and he s- walks into the elevator, and the elevator doors take like full thirty seconds <laughs> yeah. to actually close. <laughs> And he goes or just to, like his whole experience at his, I guess, in-laws' house. Yep. With Bill, like, ooh, what a strange. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Eh, hmm. And then there's a a little little tiny bird co- that has been cooked, 
and it looks like a little tiny turkey and then it goes chicken. to cut it and then it starts uh giving birth sort uh, of like it's, it's blood. I definitely read that as like an orgasm because the mom's reaction is very like Oh, she's uncomfy. I didn't know what to make of all that. It's why those two things were happening at the same time, though. Also, so. well, there's definitely a thing where the mom is really into Henry. Yeah, like mm-hmm. she uh, comes up to him and she's like, "Yeah, you screwed my daughter, didn't you?" And he's like, and "I don't want to talk like about kissing she, on him." Yeah. Well, you have to get married, but first you have to ah, and she starts like attacking him and kissing him, and then uh, his girlfriend soon to be married uh comes in yeah yeah the more you talk about this movie the worse it gets so can i say that my favorite part of the movie was looking away from this movie (laughs) yeah because that was like really good when i like looked down at my phone and was like this movie doesn't exist i was like all right Yeah. yeah let's chill i think i was expecting it to somehow be even worse somehow just because of what I've been told about it. Hmm. And so I was like, oh, it's fine. I have already cut myself off from any kind of emotion. So this oh. is fine. And I was still uncomfortable, but I looked away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's my review. I, I looked away. <laughs> I looked away. <laughs> I, I think it is totally valid to take care of yourself and not purposefully like harm yourself with movies well, if, not, you, if you don't if not when you not do this thing, podcast you know? and mm-hmm. and the movies on the list that you didn't pick hurt you is there is there <laughs> some shade this being movie? thrown i think we, it was because of you i was gonna say did we spontaneously add this one mm, i think it, i think it was because of aiden that i think i needed to add it but it's also that's also why i added texas chainsaw so I so mean, far yeah, i think the only one so that we're winning I, basically I so basically actually, i'm, I'm thing hurts happy me, about both of these I'm decisions fired <laughs> i'm firing both of you I, if i remember life. correctly you when you first were putting together the list you like sent it over to me to get my thoughts and i remember both eraserhead and suspiria being on the initial list suspiria i will take credit for i've only had a lynch film on there because of you oh because you were trying because you were like oh yeah aiden will like that oh because i was like aiden would, would think a lynch film would be on here and that's the one that i went for because that's the one that i think you had told it's, me about it's so. the david lynch film yeah. 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 I definitely yeah. think, like, in the context of this list, it does belong on it. It's no, such I a agree. masterpiece not... texturally and vibey. I'm just grumpy about I ain't, it. I ain't. I ain't mad. Like, like the picks that I attribute to Aiden, at the very least, <laughs> are not deserving of their spot. <laughs> They just hurt me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, sorry. It's just at least a little bit by design. Yeah, it, it's true. It's true. I yeah, wonder I what we're definitely getting a different a, a different range of mm. the like the degree to which we care or can enjoy weird, uncomfortable things in movies, which is not yeah you know, good or bad. Well, I think way. it's I think it's important for the purpose of this podcast to get right. some kinds of yeah. diversity of sure. different kinds of films. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm, yeah. you know, it's it's mm-hmm. overall good. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired and salty. <laughs> I find it actually really interesting, it being on the list and within the context of a list, uh, how it kind of connects to previous films that we've covered. Uh, because, so, I learned a bit about some of David Lynch's major influences going into this. Mm-hmm. For one, uh, David Lynch is a big fan of Fellini, so... Um, Mm-hmm. Not eight and a half specifically, uh-huh. but he really likes the kind of dreamy, mm-hmm. unnatural energy that Fellini brings. I feel right? that there. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, can see that, especially with, I mean, not that the radiator lady is inherently lustful, but just like the concept of these three women who are very different from each other being a part of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some black and white. Yeah, I got yeah. some some you know slight hints of Fellini misogyny or whatever you might brand it as for sure yeah I I don't think that this this film is a bit resentful of the of a lot of the female characters although I I do think I'm not as opposed to the radiator the woman in the radiator as I I yeah I yeah but I almost don't even know how to form opinions about the themes in this movie because I'm just kind of like, no, Ugh. no. I'm re- you really just I, I you got to go by vibe, IMO. <laughs> it's like uh, if I'm reading this, this seems bad. The vibes like, are off. Like yeah, I this doesn't seem like it's entirely coming from a neutral position. I think that that's. That's probably the only way to, like, really... I think the best way to try and read, like, David Lynch movies and more surrealist movies like this is, um, like, that. Because, like... So, this movie is very much inspired... David Lynch is a big fan of not... There are some American films he really likes, but mostly he really likes European sensibilities. Like, he he likes... uh, Igmar Bergman and yeah. movies that are less plot and more kind of just vibes. Yeah. He does have specifically a couple of films that we have on this list as some of his like favorite films of all time, famously. <laughs> uh, before the first night before sh- they started filming Eraserhead, they, uh, he showed Sunset Boulevard, which we had on early in our run in the 40s before Anne and I were on the podcast. But I recently watched it. It has that. I get that. That makes sense for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, he is a massive fan of The Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. which That also makes sense. Everyone on this podcast at the time did not like very much. <laughs> Yikes. True. That was like my childhood, one of my childhood films oh, that we had on VHS. I definitely yeah. seen it as a kid. It just doesn't make it like watching it now feel like anything. But it was more in the context of when we watched it, too, because it's surrounded by films that are, like, good. Um, (laughs) Well, also films that, like, all the things that I hear the film lauded for technically are all things that had been done in previous film entries in this list. But Like it being the first one in color and stuff? Yeah, it's like it wasn't really... and. It wasn't ever actually in black and white anyway. It was in sepia and like yeah. all the sets feel really fake even for the time, which maybe you yeah. could say that's like intentional. It, it, it's stagey. But it's also theatrical. it like 
the process of making that film like nearly killed people and they're just like yeah. you just go down the rabbit hole and you're just like but i Meh. also didn't enjoy watching it so like what is there about this film other than the fact that people who are like david lynch kind of pretentious really like it and people who Yikes. are just like i haven't who are not also like it like there's the different groups of people who are like this is the best thing ever but other than the fact that those people say that what makes yeah. this film good and i could not figure that out well i think uh our when we go back and do revisions to the list as we're planning on doing i think we do need to keep in to account the kind of redundancies we have early in the list because we have a lot of early hollywood movies mm-hmm. that are all kind of representing the same thing mm. it's true we'll we'll definitely go back on our 50th and be like what would we change so far yeah uh, because, yeah, so I, I think that was kind of a victim of redundancy around the time. I personally, uh, I when I went back and saw it as an older person after seeing it as a kid, it was one of the, the like, few films that stood out for me. I still holding up, and I actually liked it more. It's so interesting, because I definitely liked it more as a kid. Hmm. But I yeah. know that Aiden has more experience and interest in the theater world, which... Yeah, that's that movie true. has a lot of really interesting set design that are very theatery, and then obviously Wicked is like a big name in the theater world. So I could yeah. see that holding up just because it's it's more theatrical and less like the that things that you're noticing in it are more what you'd notice in a theater and less what you'd want from a film. Sure. Yeah, I think I would like. Yeah, like I guess I'll own up to the fact that like I guess I'm probably not as big i don't think the three of us that really well no i think hannah is she didn't really like it either yeah but she's kind of into the i mean she's significantly into theater she likes that wicked she does so i don't know this just brings up a weird question which would be what if eraserhead was like a play or you could see it in a live performance i i think thoughts so there is a there were surrealism started as a poetry movement hmm. and then quickly moved into like a theater movement that was uh, inspired by it. Um, you have like Samuel Beckett, right? And um, so theater of the absurd is kind yeah. of based around the central tenets of like surrealism and Dada. And so you have Eugene Iniesco or Samuel Beckett. Yeah big ones there and i think it's really interesting how film surrealism kind of differs from that uh because you have like most famous film surrealist louis brunel um who did uh the 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 famous thing where he like has an eye a lamb's eye being cut by a razor and he cuts to like a moon moving across the uh, a cloud moving across the moon and, and stuff like that, where I think the language of film and the language of theater specifically within trying to produce like a surreal environment is is different. Like I think as a stage play, Eraserhead would have to be a bit more dialogue heavy. Yeah. Um, and it would be kind of hard to do things like the woman in the radiator where... I feel like it would work as a... 
a black box type show or one where you're sitting on the stage with the performers. Mm-hmm. And I was just imagining how horrible and terrible and also <laughs> masterful it would be, like, with the hair, if they, like, dumped hair on people or, like, rubbery <laughs> things so you could feel, like the texture of the film because it's a very textural movie yeah. we've talked about uh-huh. i think that probably comes from lynch's painting experience anyway so you're just talking about, about like doing the like muppet 4d thing that they did at disney world but <laughs> with um, a razor head i have you not done that like there are these like 4d plays that they would do at disney world where it's like you can feel one where it like feels like there are ants running under that's, your seat and like that's the really like you know corporate version of that. But, yeah, but that's the sort of stuff. I think it'd is be very funny if it was corporatized. So <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, it would be funny. Um, I, like there's just a like I, I don't know why, but there's just a that attraction at Dollywood, like specifically Dollywood in Nashville or wherever it is in Tennessee. That would be very funny. It. That's well, where I want it to be. It would be that's very t- much sort of out of its element. Like it, this, well, that's why it's yeah. perfect. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't it be amazing if David Lynch announced tomorrow, I've <laughs> sold the rights to an eraser head, forty theater experience, <laughs> to the family friendly theme park Dollywood. I yikes! I I can't imagine. I I I. I you have sidetracked my brain so much. I'm just sputtering. I've had like zero sleep and I read way too much philosophy last night for a literary theory class. So I'm, you know, I'm in the right headspace for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah. like it. I don't know. Um, I do have one thought about this movie that's completely separate. Now what, that I've destroyed all of your brains with what a stupid it? idea. Um, the movie's accurate, though, about babies, <laughs> because I've definitely had this experience of trying to sleep or trying to do anything or trying to live with a baby in the room, a newborn, for because I've had so many siblings at this point that I've shared rooms with as they've been growing up and going through all of these ages so so many so many this is entirely how it feels and that's a big reason why i didn't like the movie is the bits that where it was accurate texturally of that feeling of having no sleep is kind of what the movie feels like but also the cry is just like triggering yeah and i hate like Mm. there's a reason why i don't ever want to have kids and it's because i've basically had this experience like six times over Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm done. That's yeah. my thought. That's, yeah. At least they don't laugh at you. When well, you sometimes get they do. Sexually flummoxed. Flummoxed? Yeah. Well, what? you never cut them open usually. Right. Like that's a big. But difference. also, their clothes don't connect with their skin that closely. Well, yeah, that's also true. But the difference is that there's more spit up with a normal baby. Yeah. Like they, and you can't just leave them on the bureau. Sometimes the it's texturally more uncomfortable to have a normal baby. Yeah. Like there are definitely aspects of normal babies that are worse. I mean, the, there's the benefit of the fact that they are a little bit cuter. 
And they're like a person that will grow out of that phase. And you know, yeah, like there's going to be a point in which they're going to text you in 10 years saying they maybe watched the entirety of Kaon in like two days and <laughs> they really liked it. Yeah. And watch it's, it their, with them. it's one of their favorite animes or something. Maybe that <laughs> will happen. And then but all in the moment, pays it doesn't off. feel like it, you know. But you don't get that payoff if you murder your kid. You don't get, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll give it. I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Weird times. Anyway, yeah. that's, well, that's my so real thought like, about the movie. I feel like the moral of this film is that you shouldn't surrender to lust and have premarital sex because then the lust monster on the moon will give you a weird sperm that will make a weird baby. <laughs> yeah, I think that's or, probably true. At the very least, yeah. use protection. Or something. Or something. <laughs> you fools. You fools. <laughs> fool, Henry. I think that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Also, Henry gives me big, small dick energy, and I just, like, one of the first thoughts I had when I saw him was like, oh man, his hair is probably bigger than his penis, but that's fine. <laughs> I. But he's very sweet. He's very sweet. He's like, okay. N- Henry's, I mean, he's sort of a sweet boy. Um, he takes care of his kid after his wife leaves. Like, I appreciate yeah. that, and that he like sits next to him. But like, also, but before that, he does literally nothing. Yeah, and he will cover its mouth to shut it up. Also, while the, he the is invalid is in the room. Yeah, he's yeah. invalid. That's my yeah. He's invalid. <laughs> okay, and he does Canceled. have a small penis. I'll sign off on that now. <laughs> Um, and that's fine, by the way. No need to shame people. Make it worse. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. If if you got if you got a micro going, that's none of my business. And hope you're doing well. Okay, so uh, I think I that we're kind of drawing <laughs> uh, to an end. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that I do want to like so. This movie is one of those movies that I, it sort of tires me out. Like, I start to lose steam about halfway through. The The thing that uh, makes this movie, that just gets me, is my favorite, favorite bit of the movie that I just have to highlight before we sign out, which is the, uh, the namesake scene where, so he goes into the dream world after uh, having an affair with oh, his neighbor yeah, across yeah. the hallway, and... He uh, he's standing in the little theater where the girl in the radiator performs. Um, his head pops off. Wait, before you do that, yeah, there's yeah. like that tree thing yep. that's coming out of a bag of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and he's like freaked out by it. And then it well, it looks bleeding. like the poor yeah. house plant that lives by right. his by his bed, but like, like with, bed like that's like just like planted onto the table mm-hmm. and like. I don't know why, but that was one of the things in this movie that kind of stood out and was more interesting to me. And I was like, I don't know what this what? is, but I like this. What well, is interesting because yeah, this, in many ways, this Eraserhead is set in the same world as Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. Like this netherworld is a thing that he'll keep kind of coming back to. Like cool. the uh, kind of zigzags in the apartment building hmm. of uh, Henry's Lot apartment building lobby come back in the Black Lodge hmm. in Twin Peaks, which have those things on the floor that sort of represent ele- uh, radio waves and like uh, the power of electricity. Cool. Um, but uh, there are some things like that tree thing shows up in 
Twin Peaks: The Return. Awesome. Uh, but it has like a little eraser head baby head oh. and stuff like that. What? Uh, and honestly, I have like I have Sweet. very little idea what the tree is actually yeah. representing. Like it's it's one of those things where there's just like uh, a mush, uh, like a stew of sim- symbolism mm. that just you know kind of gets lost on you and just adds to the energy. Well, if I, yeah. The like, tree starts spilling out blood. His head pops off a little eraser head. Baby head takes its place and starts screaming at him. And his head falls through the blood into what feels like the energy of the film changes completely. It yeah. feels yeah. like we're in like totally an early Jarmusch movie <laughs> that's just kind of like yeah. weird and absurd, but like yeah. kind of grounded <gasps> and homey. And it's a lot of, and this little boy comes there's like a homeless man sleeping next and the head just drops out of the sky and this little boy comes he picks it up and he runs off to a shop where they make uh they take the head and they make erasers out of it like pencil erasers and they Brilliant. drill in drill into his head what does it mean the energy of the nobody knows uh, they just put it into this massive glorious machine that just takes <laughs> yeah. his pencils through and like adds erasers to, to him and he Sweet. tests it tests it out and it works and then, well, it's actually all right. It's all right. It just the energy of that whole scene is just so lovely, and it breaks up the film so much. And the texture is totally different. Mm-hmm. Like there's suddenly yeah. good lighting, or better. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. So the lighting is much less oppressive. The atmosphere is so much more. Like it feels like you've gone into another world. There's not horrible, like, weird sounds happening around you. Yeah. Except for when the machine is actually operating in front of, of you. The movie was looking away during that bit of the movie, so that yeah. way it didn't also hurt my ears. Weird. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I, I I don't know. I I very much like it. I think the a big problem with the uh, student films today, at least, well, so student films in the 2010s, when I got really into watching like student films to kind of like set my expect- expectations mm-hmm. properly for like what films are supposed to be like i just watched tons of them and you they go into two camps they're either really bland sort of like action or dramas mm-hmm. that f- most of the time are just kind of dull because they're reaching to try and like be classic movies that's a lot of what like mm-hmm. stereotypically bad short films are they're reaching for something that they can't quite have within their limits without with not without like embracing what they have and working with it. And so you have the dramas and the action films and the little comedies that are all just kind of blah. And then you have the surreal films, the stereotypically artsy films. And a lot of them are fairly unwatchable. And it's like someone watched a bunch of David Lynch <laughs> and a bunch of like classic, like art house, um, Kuleshov nonsense that's just like intercutting random things with each other to try and produce weird feelings and it it feels very unfocused very like unthought through like if the one thing you you can't say about Eraserhead is that it doesn't like have a have themes that are like really clear and consistent it's very good in every regard yeah but the I'm thing sorry. that the thing that, that makes it not you, you don't yeah. have to like it. It is That's actually fine. though. I this, I this is my genuine opinion yeah. is that it's good at everything it does. It does everything well, and also that's why it's so uncomfy. never again. 
but it also like it has enough variety like a lot of mm-hmm, films mm-hmm. they just wear you out by being the ex- being at the exact same level f- through the whole thing and they just kind of lose you out that's what i love about permanent vacation though well okay that movie that movie i think that movie does keep your interest and does have variety because it's like a series of montages and each of the like scenes in in it is just yeah, so unique. They're, they're different because you have different moments characters. you have beautiful moments like this is my legislative branch this <laughs> gun is my legislative branch like that's that's so classic good. yeah or that bit where the guy tells him the Wizard of Oz joke. Yeah. So, uh, ah, ending thoughts. Ha, uh, ha, ha. Does anybody have movie. anything else you want to say about Eraserhead? I have we... one more thing. What is your one more thing? I was reading about signs and signifiers and the signified before watching the movie. And it's just thinking about the way that um, the point is sort of that words are arbitrary because the sound image that we think of like the which which includes kind of the mental signal that that gives us when we hear a word or see a word is somehow in our minds we we connect it to the thing that it's supposed to signify supposed to signify but those things change arbitrarily and then there's i think it's derrida's version of difference which is like Every word, the way that we try to define a word is by using other words that we then use to define other words. So everything is constantly deferring to other words and mm-hmm. everything is completely arbitrary and there's not really a way to know anything. Okay. And that's how I feel. Weave, when, when I, I drop you off at home, promise me you're going to take a nap. I'm absolutely <laughs> explaining this correctly. I know you are. I know you are. And I know that you read a my, lot of philosophy last my night. My point is that um, that this film, I feel like, plays around with signs and the signified and how everything is arbitrary. Or at least yeah. it did for me. Well, uh, that, that is so, a major theme that in sure. David Lynch's films uh, generally and his art. Most of his paintings so what's are about wrong with me, then? decoupling. What uh, did I do that was wrong then if I'm being correct? You're being correct. You're I'm being smart. Right. You're being correct, but I saw you falling asleep as you were describing <laughs> that philosophical concept. <laughs> Thus, promise me you're going to take a well, nap. I was thinking about getting Krispy Kreme when we were done. But... Mm. Oh. I do have enough time before my next thing. I can stop off and we can grab Krispy Kreme. Okay. Krispy Kreme. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And on that note, <laughs> on that note, Hunter, find us a quote. Hello. Um, Hunter, there are quote. so many good ones. Uh, yeah, so we are at Thanks Movie Overload Pod on social medias. We do not post things, but we're there. Uh, and we don't post, but, you know, we're there. Uh, eventually, we will post <laughs> updates on our Letterboxd account, uh, Movie Overload Podcast at Letterboxd. Or just follow us individually to hear our individual hot takes about these films. Yeah, you I'm can. Sorry, I was being so salty all episode. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, you can find uh, Weave at Revan, uh, Hunter do. at Hunting Hollers, uh, Anna at the Anna Chase, uh, the Anna dot Chase, Anna Anna or the dot the Anna dot Chase. You Wait, did it wrong. The dot Anna dot Chase. <laughs> I I remember your. Uh, your name just appears on my thing as the Iron Chase, and uh, I dots. am There's Magnolia Denton on Letterboxd, 
And oh, then... wait, there might not be dots because Letterboxd wouldn't let me. I thought there yeah. was. Oh, there either seen... are or there aren't. I, yeah, whatever. Uh, and then <laughs> we have our uh, Patreon that you can donate to, to help us pay for Please. upkeep costs on the website we and the streaming services anything. that we use to watch all these movies. Um, and you just use recreationally. We kind of pool our resources. Yeah, to be only able to one watch of things. us makes money, so it's kind of rough right now. Yeah. Uh, None of us, only one of us makes money out of a regular job scheduled interest. Oh, yes. Another one of us sometimes makes money. I I wind up making money if I I try not to. I work sometimes. You also work sometimes. I just meant at this current moment, which is why I said one of us. Before we incriminate ourselves any further, Hunter. uh, Oh, Lord. And we have our quote to end, end us out. Uh, I don't know. You can always go with a good quote, like. Uh, is, or, that, uh, is that? Uh, what, what is it? Bedrock. Desk Paul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yelling at Paul. Uh, Yelling at Paul. I think my favorite part that I want to do to people is, "Well, kid, what do you know?" Yeah. And that then was pretty smiles good. Like, uh, for two minutes. <laughs> that know. just seems like something that David Lynch would say, just all the time. Right? Yeah. Oh. Don't you feel like he like he he wakes up in the morning, like comes across the table and like pours himself cereal, but it's like I don't know. It's, cereal. it's like actually just cornmeal. It's not even cornflakes. Uh-huh. And he pours it into a bowl and pours his coffee into it and he and he looks up and he goes, Well, kid, what do you know? This is canon now. That's absolutely what David Lynch does every day. See y'all next week. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>